Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Ask an Expert series. I'm your host, Ann Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the people, and the technologies that are coming together to shape the future of retail, or Chris, as you, more importantly, like to say, the retail news organization that focuses on tomorrow, today. Uh, Chris, we like to talk about the technologies that people are focused on, and I cannot think of a technology that people are more focused on right now than generative AI. Um, So we wanted to bring some experts here today to hear what retailers and brands out there have actually been doing with generative AI, things like chat GPT, um, in their day-to-day business activities. Yes, Ann. I, I mean, uh, it, this topic is blowing the doors off everyone. I mean, yep. we've got over a thousand people yes. signed up to watch this yeah. panel of experts talk about how retailers should use AI. Yes. Well, so we brought in some experts, as I mentioned. I would like to welcome back to the show Microsoft's General Manager for Retail and Consumer Goods, David Leibowitz, and our first-time guest, Seb Reeve, the Director of Intelligent Engagement at Nuance, to discuss all of the steps that all of you retailers and brands listening can take right now to successfully integrate generative AI into your business. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Seb, it's your first time. Tell us a little bit here about where you're calling from today and what your excitement level is to talk about generative AI. Well, given I've just heard there's a thousand people going to be joining us, I'm pretty excited now. So uh, <laughs> hi, hey, everyone. I'm Seb Reeve. I'm strategy and innovation lead for a company called Nuance. If you don't know Nuance, uh, we're about 20 years in the customer experience space, you know, bridging the divide between intelligent you know, solutions and software and, and customer experience, trying to design solutions that, that bring down customer effort, make it easier for customers to get stuff from us. Uh, and drive out, out outcomes for, for us as retailers as well. Um, and you know we're sort of leaders in bringing automated, proactive, and personalized experiences um, into that customer experience space. And it's all about driving down cost, uh, you know, increasing revenue, and, and better experiences. So that win-win-win, really. And 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 why I'm here, I guess we were acquired by Microsoft last year. So that's really exciting news. Yeah. <laughs> my excitement. That's pretty exciting. I thought you um, said you were required by Microsoft. <laughs> it's not oh, acquired. Required. I was like, I'm not required. Seb, I'm required. Uh, tell us more. Are you safe? Can you blink twice? Required if you're and help? Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, it's okay. I'm allowed to say that. It's all, <laughs> oh, let me say acquired. By we were bought by Microsoft. Thank you. Thank you. Way. Let's do it that way. Um, and yeah, I was sort of wrapping all of our solutions into their already incredible suite of solutions in the Microsoft cloud. So that's extremely exciting. Well, we're really excited to have you, Seb. Um, David, welcome back to the show. I'm really glad that you didn't require Seb to be here, that he's here uh, on his own volition. But tell the listeners a little bit about you and uh, and Microsoft's role here when it comes to generative AI. I, I told him that he was not required, but we were required. But you know, he's he's getting a little the subtle hints there that I'm giving him and I am to make sure strongly encouraged. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> we can rework. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I work for a little software company called Microsoft, uh, but in a unique role. I come from industry retail and consumer goods, so we are um, industry practice uh, in the U.S. Uh, former, you know, in the literal shoes of retail, uh, supporting big data, sales automation, uh, digital transformation uh, for some of the uh, the largest brands. And then uh, found my way at Microsoft, having these same conversations around challenges and opportunities for retail CG. Um, 
And we lead first with how do we solve those problems in retail execution, supply to, uh, chain excellence. Um, you know, how do we uh, use uh, opportunities like blockchain or now generative AI to solve these problems, get closer to consumers, and then bring the technology in after that. So, uh, you know, really great to, uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, really great to have a, you know, new uh, friend and family member and Seb and, and then whole nuance family because uh, yes. it's just, uh, it's fantastic. The, uh, the solutions that we're bringing to market around uh, AI, ML, NLP, uh, you name the acronym, we're all over it and our customers are clamoring for it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I think this is your third time on the show, if I'm not mistaken. How you feeling? I mean, you're like two shows away from the imaginary OmniTalk jacket, I think. I know. I, well, I was going to say, it feels like, you know, I'm like returning Jeopardy champion. So yes. until somebody knocks me out. <laughs> you're ready. You're prepped. You're prepped and good to go. Well, ready I, to go. I cannot imagine two better people to have on to have this conversation. So thank you both yes. for joining us. Um, quick note for the audience before we get started, just a reminder that if you are joining us live on LinkedIn, you can ask all the questions you'd like of David and Seb at any time in the chat window, just to the right of the screen. So go ahead and type your questions in and, uh, Seb and David will be answering questions live as we go along, um, as well as the rest of the team from Microsoft. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the OmniTalk veteran here first, David. So my question for you, you just listed like the alphabet soup of acronyms there, which everyone is always wanting to do when this topic comes up, you know, to kind of, you know, show how much they know, or maybe, you know, to disguise how much they possibly don't know, which is also another tactic that people tend to employ when discussing this. But so let's get right to the point here. So generative AI, I'm a retailer. Where the heck should I start my journey? You know, and that's uh, my phone is ringing off the hook with those types of questions. I bet. And I will say uh, some people have started and said, hey, is this a, is what's the hype cycle on this? Is this, right. you know, mm -hmm. how is this any different? The big difference is um, my phone was not ringing off the hook from uh, executives and leaders around, well, how do we implement blockchain? Like, what does this mean for my business? Mm -hmm. And it's not to dismiss or disparage great solutions, but everybody's recognizing that this is a great leap forward. And there's a knowledge and you know maturity spectrum across, how do I spell open AI and GPT to, I kind of, I have that grounding. Um, how will this enable my brand to leapfrog ahead of um, competition? How can I use that in digital transformation? Um, how can I use that for meaningful reach to consumers? Mm -hmm. So a few things that I start with. One, it's important to know this is nascent. You know, chat GPT is less than six months old. Right? It was just right. in November. Good point of perspective. Uh, Microsoft offerings, you know, if you look at some of the consumer-based offerings, I think a couple of months, uh, Nuance is starting to fold in their uh, capabilities and co-pilot, I'm sure Seb can speak to. It's new. So the first step I say is get grounded in education. What is it? What is it not? What's the difference between you know, generative AI on a public cloud versus a private cloud? What's the difference mm. between the consumer experience when I go to Bing chat versus a private experience? Right? Mm. Next, start to build a strategy. Start to test the efficiency yourselves, right? Start with like, are we going to start with backup house um, and back office? Things that may seem simpler to start with, analysis of call center logs, analysis of documents, generating text and marketing material you've heard a lot about. 
real simple horizontal use cases first before we even get into industry specific like retail, like meeting recaps, assisted responses. What's a meeting recap? We've all been asked, hey, can you join a meeting? But you can't because you have a conflict with the other meeting. Someone says, hey, I'll record the meeting for you. Who wants to sit through another hour of a recorded meeting? Right. It's great now that I can do this recap and AI is going to generate a robust recap for me and also highlight when my name is spoken and when tasks were assigned to me and assisting in you know, email communications to my business partners. That's a start. Next, well, on the third piece, think about the industry use cases. How, what, what are the, the ways I want to dip my toes into things like developing audience segments for marketing campaigns? Um, putting the power and democratizing AI to the marketer so that they are using regular text, like who is the audience I should segment for this campaign and having that create the SQL code that is necessary to, you know, read back that response to me. So that I say, start dipping the toes. It starts first with education, but then as you start to weave into use cases that we'll, we'll talk about a little later. So that's interesting. So what you're saying there, if I play that back for you, and then we'll ask Seb the same question, but what you're saying is really the, the back office just to get stuff done quicker, faster is really the place that most people are starting and probably the place that you would advocate for most people to start as well. That's the first, that's the first piece. Horizontal use cases. We have a host at Microsoft of offerings. We're calling Copilot. We call it Copilot, not Autopilot, because mm. the human is still at the heart of it. And this assistance you've seen assistance in search, assistance in now, assistance in Outlook emails, right? Right. Maybe a better copywriter, assistance in building product descriptions, uh, you know, in the copy that I'm going to use for uh, my website, um, assistance in meetings. So all of that becomes a time savings that then unlocks the next step. What am I going to do with that from an industry use case? And I think that's a great stepping stone, helps to build an education, helps my organization understand and get grounded in what generative AI is, what the power is, how I should govern it before I start thinking about how my expose this publicly. Yeah, it's interesting to think about too. Like I'm drawing, I'm thinking of analogies in my head too. Like, you know, five over the last five to 10 years, people asking us all the time, and like, how do I become a more digital retailer? You right. know, which I always thought was a really funny question. But um, you know, like some of it is just, you know, if you want to inculcate it in your culture. Why don't you just get your documents on the cloud? Right. Right. Share, start sharing your documents. Like right. that's a good first step, right. you know, to inculcate that. And then that's kind of the same thing here that we're talking about, but at a much bigger step change degree. Um, all right, Seb. So, you know, same question to you. Like from and and maybe spend a little more time too talking a little more in detail about what nuance does in answering this question as well. But um, you know, how would you how would you work with retailers to get them started uh on their generative AI journey? Yeah, I think um, it's, I think David's answer really kind of started to open open up the can of worms here, right? In terms of what's mm -hmm. got the market excited about this technology, and you know, he talked a lot about very very wide, a broad set of use cases, and 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 how organisations would have to choose, you know, how they're going to use this technology, and that's really different to the way we've been using AI in the past, right? I mean, in, in the past, AI was this really narrow thing. So, you know, if you wanted a, a, an AI that could understand sentiment, whether someone's happy or not with, a, with, with you as a brand, for example, that's all it did. You didn't have to choose what you were going to do with it. Right. It did sentiment, right? That's and okay. we're in a really different spot here. The, the, you know, large language models or foundation models that they're being called now are extremely broad. They're, they're able to do lots and lots and lots and lots of different things out of the box. And so with we're working really differently with these, right? We're not sort of picking from 
10 different models to do 10 specific things. We're able to kind of take this one huge model potentially, or there are a family of these things, and then decide, well, do we want it to do sentiment? Do we want it to summarize some content? Do we want it to generate an email? Do we want it to be part of a co-pilot to help, you know, a staffer to interact with a customer or, or be able to do something more efficiently, you know, on their, on their computer? Um, and it's all of the above. So, we're, you know, in short, we're working quite differently with, with brands as to how, how we help and, it, and it's more about figuring out you know as david said in his, his opening it's about the sort of the business challenges even more than it ever was before you know understanding well what is it we're really trying to solve for so we've got this amazing swiss army knife type technology here right that can do a lot of different things yeah. um what should we point it at like what's going to be the most valuable and i think you know that's a very different way around to start thinking we're not we're definitely not a technology looking for a problem there's all of the problems are on the table here right we've got a We've got to sit there and think about what what our consumers need, what, what you know, what our employees need to get out of this, and and what our brand needs in terms of you know driving growth and moving it forward, or, or whatever other goals we're we're looking for. So, so I think it's really you know it's really moved things forward in terms of thinking about the problem first. Yeah, I, I'm curious, like when at Nuance when you're working with retailers, like how do you start that conversation? Because I I imagine you know it used to be we have ten prob ten things that the technology can do. Here's ten deliverables that we expect. But like how are you how are you seeing retailers kind of approach this conversation? Like is everybody just bringing like, I'd like to know, you know, X, Y, Z data points here. Can we apply this technology to solve those problems? Or like, how do you kind of create a strategy around it? How have you seen people be successful in that way? Right. So that's a great question. And I think for, for us, it's, it's really about the consumer experience, as I said, okay. in my opening. So, so we're not so much working in the, in the back, in the back office, right. We're working very much in the front side of the, the business. And so for us, it always starts with, with data, right? So, so why are customers calling us? Why are they, you know, chatting with us online? Why are they walking into the store? What data do we have about those conversations? And then let's start with that and figure out how we solve for the problems we can see in that data, right? So we're not sort of coming at it from the back of the business and, and looking for the sort of downstream problems. We're saying, well, consumers are clearly stuck with this, this friction here, right? They're not getting what they need. Um, so start with that data and then we work back towards the, you know, solving the problem with the technology. So, so that's really stayed the same, I would say. Um, but, but here we're able to analyze, you know, what consumers are saying, even using these kinds of generative technologies, right? Summarize the hundred calls I had this morning, right? Why did someone use my chatbot this morning? Summarize the thousand things my chatbot talked about in the last four hours. Regenerative can do that. And it can give me that summary and, and help surface maybe the top 10 problems that we're seeing, right? Mm -hmm. So even for us, as, a, as, a, as a, someone who, who provides these solutions, it's actually saving us a huge amount of time and money because it's able to mine the data just by itself. That's right. before we've even used it to solve the problem. Right. So, you know, it's, amazingly, it's changing our process and our workflow massively already. You guys both got me thinking about something in the moment, because one thing that always inspires Ann and I to think about, too, especially with our retail executive audience in the crowd, is how people do things. So I'm curious, and David, maybe go back to you on this one, too, and then Subway in here as well, but and maybe just spend a couple few seconds on this topic. But I'm curious, like, could you paint the picture for uh, for us of what the successful executive conversation about this looks like? Like, is there is an example that stands out in your mind of like, man, this retail executive really handled this conversation with me the right way. These were the questions he or she was asking. No names or anything like that. I'm just curious, like, is there something people could learn from 
you watching or being involved in these conversations that other people could take back as they're starting to have these conversations inside their own organizations? Um, I think the pattern that I'd see is when there's intellectual curiosity, right? When they're, they're not, uh, the first knee jerk is, um, you know, what does this mean? What's the difference between the private version of this versus public? Um, okay. What does this mean for me from additional transformation transformation standpoint versus, um, you know, I'm, we're hearing questions around ethics and governance and how do I, you know, start to define secure security properly because I don't want this to evolve into the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. So I think if I can say the, the pattern that I see where it's a, they get it is it's coming or it's here. Um, it's evolving. It's literally my talk tracks change on generative AI every week. Um, so they know they have to get ahead of it. Um, and it's not just to experiment. It's not about Frankenstein experiments. It's about making sure that their teams are empowered with the right education and that they're also taking a thoughtful approach. That thoughtful approach, you know, it runs a spectrum to can this improve IT operations and help my teams code faster? to can I engage consumers differently and a lot in between. Um, but really it's the framework that we define around how we change in the culture and the organization to embrace AI. Uh, and they, we're doing it in a thoughtful uh, manner. So the best, so if I say that back, the best of the best retailers are already invested in training this through their organizations or thinking about the frameworks by which they're going to train the continued evolution of this through their organizations. Is that right? Yeah, I haven't seen anybody say I'm not interested in learning more. Thankfully, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Like literally, phones are collective phones and teams are they're off they're off the hook. Everybody wants to know yeah what they need to know uh, because they see this as a great enabler, not just in terms of teams efficiency, culture change, but also that that upward curve of driving that next level of, of transformation in the organization and giving them the competitive edge. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of inspiring to think about like what could be when you don't know the answer. Like culturally, that's a very good guidepost mm-hmm. to put in front of people because it gets them all right to say like, hey, we can figure this out together. Especially as a leader to yeah. be able to empower your teams to think of use cases to come to you to maintain that intellectual curiosity that David's talking about. Yeah. So you do it smart. You don't overinvest, but you do it smart. It's probably a great leadership tool as well. I never thought about that. Yeah. I mean, I I love, because we have you both here and I'm sure the audience is curious too. We'd love to hear from you a little bit more about like some successful executions um, that some of the retailers and brands that you've worked with have, have applied generative AI to in their businesses. Sub, I'd love to hear if you have a couple of examples you could share with us just to kind of spark that curiosity that we were just talking about. Yeah, sure. I mean, as David said, though, we're, we're six months into this amazing yes. ramp up of this new <laughs> technology. So when you start to ask sort of questions about success cases, it's it's kind of early sure. to have you right. know, real proof points that have been Great running yeah. to measure them, right? So yes. We're still, I think, as an, as an industry, still in experiment and learn mode, right? Test and learn is, is what's going on uh, a lot of the time. But but AI in general is not new. And, and I think the other thing I would I would sort of insert into the conversation here is we're seeing generative not as a replacement of everything that's come before it, right? This is an amazing new set of capabilities, but we, we already have a huge amount of AI capabilities that are generating real value and real use cases. And a, a lot of the test and learn is then 
figuring out where generative, at least in the early stages, can add something, right? Mm -hmm. And can just sort of push, you know, push push the bar a little higher and, yeah. and create a little bit more value. And in in retail, I think the you know, examples of retailers that are doing a really great job with AI in general at the moment, you know, two two that spring to mind, H and M we're working with, right? Um, everyone knows who they are. Um, you know, they've been doing chatbot on their website for, for quite a long period of time. And that sort of started off like most people, let's stop cart abandonment, let's make sure people understand, you know, terms and conditions, how do I, you know, initiate a return, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm. A uh, lot, lot of different questions. Um, but they, they've extended that and, and started to look at how they can bring the face-to-face -face kind of retail experience. Like what happens in a store that can't be done so easily in digital? Mm. I can't get advice in digital so easily, right? Chatbots are really good at answering questions. They're not so good at telling me, you know, whether that shirt goes with that, those pants or that, or that kind of thing, right? But they started to do that and, and they've you know, bridge things like image-based uh, AI, so image-based search. So if you saw a pair of shoes at a store down the road, a competitor, and you liked it, you could upload the the, the mobile snap that you took of that in, in, in the store and say, hey, H&M, hey, have you got anything like this? And then in a chat kind of conversational experience, have, have a, you know, have a, have a, a, a conversation about that. I really like what you've come up with in the product catalog, but do you have those in red, right, for example? And that's really quite a refined conversational experience to have in digital, right? You would expect to be able to go up to a store clerk and basically have that kind of a, an interaction, sort of dig into the in, into the product catalog. So that's amazing. But you know, think about where generative goes. It, it starts to double down on the level of personalization you can bring. Because still, when you design a chatbot today, it's a lot of canned responses, right? Someone's yes. writing all of that stuff. Um, it doesn't know that you bought uh, another item of clothing last week and maybe the shoes that you, you're just discussing might not go with those, right? Or might, right. Might, might go with those. With generative, we can start to really personalize that conversation down to the next level because it doesn't have to be canned responses anymore. Right, in right? the moment. So it's, yeah. it's really taking that next step and saying, right, we're already doing this really great work. It's really adding value, but let's go a step further. Right. And I think sort of f further forward in, 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 in the sort of sales side as well, I mean, th things like, you know, personal outreach and targeting, uh, working with one of the largest carriers, te telecoms carriers in the US who, who are, you know, definitely a hardcore retailer in terms of the number of stores and what they're trying to sell. Um, but we're doing proactive targeting with them at scale. So, you know, when you get near the end of your tariff or your phone is getting a little old that you know and you, you contact them they're using ai to figure out if they should reach out with a with a salesperson right now in chat mm -hmm. to talk to you right to get to get the right person there generative again it starts to really amp that up right it takes it even further than they are today uh, by saying to the to the employee here's the exact thing you should talk to you about right, right? highly personalized outreach not that boilerplate stuff that they're scripted in front of today which we all hate but yeah. really personal experiences so i think we're doing this great stuff today and it's just gonna you know even the iterative next step just using generative within those existing use cases just going to push it forward and i think into this world where we're getting a much more personalized experience you know and that's before we get into you know the brand new cases the, the brand new use cases we haven't even thought of yet like yeah. so well so, and, so and i think it's really exciting
Yeah. And I think further feeds though, that information set that's coming to you as a, as an executive team or as a strategy team that had the 10 use cases that they're trying to, you know, data chart from and, and figure out where they're going to apply more gen AI. But then now you're able to take those deeper, richer, more personalized conversations and, and continue to apply the technology. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. we can not only have the conversations, we can then summarize them and learn from them and improve right. over time, right? So you right. get this learning learning loop going, which is amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, David, what, what are some examples of like early launches, we'll say, instead of success <laughs> stories, but like where have you seen some success with the the launches of, of this tech being applied to retailers you've worked with? Yeah, so it is early, but we do have a, a couple that we can draw upon. Um, uh, CarMax is uh, uh, resells used cars in um, in the United States, and uh, at any one time they have about forty five thousand cars in inventory. They were an early partner of ours on Azure OpenAI Journey. So actually, even though you know a lot of this was just released recently, uh, they were on this journey with us uh, about a year ago. Um, their challenge: think about generative AI's uh, ability to analyze reams of text and make sense of that, and then highlight, summarize, and then generate new text. Lay out about 100,000 documents based upon real you know, use cases, real consumer reviews, right? And they would use those aspirationally to create product descriptions. Mm. So people trafficking their site can learn more about uh, a vehicle purchase. Uh, they estimated, you know, culling 100,000 reviews and electronic documents and converting those to say 5,000 would take them 11 years. Hmm. Now with the model work, that, yeah, pretty long time. We could reduce that to a couple of months in training the model. We didn't even have cars at that point for 11 years. <laughs> well, that's the, so that's the thing where they, you know, traditional marketer um, who's going to write compelling, you know, prose that is something that's going to resonate with us as humans that is search engine optimized, Right, it's gonna take a long time. Uh, you're right, they're not going to sit, the real use case, if I'm using that as a benchmark, are they really gonna do that for 11 years? No, but what's the downside? It just wouldn't happen, right? It, 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 if you look at, um, so Shopify stated that they've got over a, like million products, millions of them with no product description. Why? Because people find it's too challenging to do, they have too many products and you now have these products with zero product description. What happens when you know as a shopper, weak product descriptions, blank product descriptions, those products don't get sold. Nope. Mm -hmm. So that's the downfall. And so actually recently Shopify released their own, um, they call it magic, enter some keywords, create some, some descriptive text. Um, we've built that and fused that technology and that capability now into our commerce platforms that can now push those to Shopify. So. Um, I think it's a great case of, you know, CarMax uh, leaning in early. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a real business use case and helping them to, you know, uh, delight consumers and give them, you know, the more descriptive content that they need uh, on a considered purchase. On the flip side, you know, can't name the name, but we recently released a, a co-pilot for uh, what we call supply chain insights for CPG brands. Mm -hmm. Think about CPG, their manufacturing product, typically overseas, that product is going into crates and cartons. Those cartons are going into containers. Containers are getting loaded onto ships. Those are going onto the water and they're going to ports of destination. 
um, they're being received and then they're being sent out to distributors or retailers or grocers um, in region. Along that way, there can be a lot of uh-oh moments that happen, whether it's climate, whether it's something that's geopolitical, strikes, other. Um, we're now able to do is surface the intelligence of local news events into basically a command console for a supply chain analysis. Like, hey, there's a flood in this area. Or there's something that might impact the shipment. And then the next best action. Well, that's great news to know. How does that actually impact my containers that are sitting on these ships? What do you do with the data? Right, yeah. now what do I, the next best action yeah. of, how do I communicate that to my distributors and suppliers that something might be arriving late or arriving early? And how will that you know, impact my receiving um, and, 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 and shipping downstream to my retailers? All of that becoming more a co-pilot experience to empower the supply chain analysts. So those are kind of two real world examples that are showing like the full spectrum of intelligence, generating the experience for an analyst as a co-pilot is basically supporting that agent and then actually driving to a business outcome. Right. I love the CarMax example particularly too, because if you think about how digital commerce works, like even the fact if you could take 11 years to do it, it's actually a fool's errand to have a human doing it. Right. Because they don't understand how the digital space is changing. They can't keep up with it. They don't know what words to, you know, optimize against in those yeah. product descriptions. It's a fool's errand ultimately at the end of the day. So, all right. So, let me ask you this now. So, you know, we're OmniTalk. I've got it emblazoned on my sweatshirt today for all of you watching on LinkedIn right now and listening listening maybe later. Um, so we're all about the omni-channel operations of a retail organization as well. So, Seb, my question for you is like, where where should retailers and brands start to dig in as they, you know, maybe we get the foundational stuff going, but where should I look to first as I try to improve or use generative AI to improve, I should say? my overall omni-channel operations of how I am as a retailer and, in, and engaging with my customers day in and day out. Yeah, sure. I, so, I mean, I talked a, a bit earlier on about sort of the front end of the business, right? And, and thinking about whether you, your chatbot on your website, et cetera, is, is, is improved by this. But but actually, I think from a co-pilot perspective, and, and David started to touch on this, you know, it, it's actually really internally. It's 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 helping your employees to 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 think about the problems they have every day, and and that's usually where I think most retailers are starting. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's also a good way of auditing, you know, how well these very fresh new solutions are performing. Right, your employees are the best arbiter of whether it's doing a good job before you release it to a customer and and have them. You know, this is not the place to test really uh, the customer front end. So, right. so I think, um, yeah, I think putting it, you know, if we think about the call center, it's a great place to start, right? We, we have a lot of repeat contact coming in. It's highly measured. Uh, so there's a lot of data to sort of back up and, and understand what's going on there. So digging in there and figuring out, well, well, what is it everyone's doing every day? Where are the pain points here? Where are we actually inflicting a lot of hardship on, on our employees in terms of really solving customer problems? Are they understanding and getting the knowledge they need at the point of need, right? So it's a tough job sitting in a, in a call center answering calls or handling chats from, from mad consumers who are not getting what they want, right? It's, it's, there's, there's quite a bit of pressure. It's very time pressured as well. Um, and so where generative, I think, you know, is starting to show real promise real early is, is just by bringing the knowledge at the right place and time to the right employee to say, hey, this is this is how you handle this if you, if you haven't handled it before. The other thing that also does is it starts to compress the kind of the delta between 
the best experience, like your highly tenured employee who's been doing this a long time, has been with you for a while, knows what to do. They know all of your processes. Someone who started two weeks ago, they're in a slightly different place. Uh, and, and where generative, I think, really helps is it starts to compress that, right? It can take the, the, the knowledge of the best of you and bring it to everyone. So actually everyone feels like they're, you know, they're kind of being informed in, in real time. And that just takes the stress and the pressure away. And so I think that's usually where, you know, a, a great place to start and a great place to audit and make sure it's working really well for you. But then that's actually a really good crucible of learning to take out into the into the front end, right, into the chatbot world. So once you've solved the problem with your employee, maybe that's going to be a good foundation to go solve it straight to the customer as well so they don't even call you in the first place. So, so I think that's how we see, you know, this starting to evolve. That's interesting too. Dave, I'm curious, how do you think about that divide now here as you apply the technology to the humans, the human labor force, particularly inside the operation? How do you think about that? Or what have you seen people be successful with in, in you know, trying to figure out that answer? Yeah, I mean, ultimately it's about uh, supporting and enabling and amplifying the capabilities of the human. So regardless of the role, and even if it's uh, like it, in a horizontal approach, we're seeing heavy adoption just in IT, DevOps, um, with mm. developers seeing 50% productivity uh, by you know, increasing their, their efficiency in, in code development. Um, and then that permeates throughout the organization. Now, you, we've talked to, you know, you probably heard the mantra democratizing data. Now it's about really democratizing the intelligence of the entire enterprise because a marketer uh, can also glean insights from data by using plain English to query, right? They don't have to be a coder. They don't have to write SQL and say, you know, of this customer segment, how many of my influencers are in New York City or are likely to buy this particular item because I, and now I want to uh, target them for some type of uh, campaign or promotion. Uh, and being able to do that without requiring PhD, you know, that's empowering. Um, you think about some other areas, like even just document analysis and review, like that happens throughout the organization. And it seems mundane, but to put it in, you know, in uh, kind of in scope, Nobody on the planet in the history of history has ever said, wow, that was a fast legal review, right? So, you know, being able to take reams of documentation, whether it's legal, whether it's product specification, if you're a regulated industry, you will highlight and surface dozens, if not hundreds of blind items to say, these are the things that we need to focus on. Isn't that empowering? Mm -hmm. And so how much, you know, I talk to customers who bring products to market and depending upon whether you're in a regulated industry or not, you know, concept, to on the shelf can be months to years. You could shave 30 to 40% off of that time. What's that value of? Yeah. I mean, I have to, I have to ask you too, David. Um, when we start, we've been talking a lot about the operations part of this, like what how this is benefiting the business. But I think what we need to make sure to touch on in this conversation too is that how the consumer is shopping now that this technology is widespread, that people are going themselves online to put stuff in chat GPT. Like the, the consumer is very accustomed to this experience in just six months. How is, how is that as a channel maybe, or as a shop, you know, as a shopping channel, how is that changing the way that you both feel like businesses need to approach this? Because it, it really is like the internet, the dawn of the internet for some people yeah. or the dawn of mobile shopping. Yeah. Seb, 
I, I'm curious here, like how, how are you recommending that brands kind of focus on taking this approach um, towards how they apply this for the consumer facing part of the, the shopping experience? Yeah, I, mean, I think, think it's important to clarify that we are seeing a, a, a platform opportunity here, right? Yes, there's, right. there's certainly a shift uh, in terms of you know, once people start to use you know, at scale, and we got to 100 million users, particularly or OpenAI got to 100 million users of ChatGPT, particularly quickly, right? So we're talking yes. about scaling fast here. Um, but these are highly personalized assistive experiences, and, and we're seeing the launch of you know capabilities like adding plugins. You know, so it's not just a generic model that understands what it was trained on the internet. You, as a brand, have an opportunity to put your stance and and your product and, and services into that experience as well for all of those users. So that is a real platform uh, opportunity for, for everyone to, to get into. And so that's a new way, a new paradigm for people to access products and services rather than the search browse kind of thing we've been doing, right, in terms of uh, the, the, in using, using the Internet so far. But, you know, you can kind of think of those plugins as a little bit like skills or actions in your home assistant, right? So if you think about your home assistant of choice where you have to say a specific set of words to make the skill work, right, hey, whatever, whatever assistant, I want to talk to H&M, you have to say the right words. We're operating here at a level, you know, with, with these kind of foundation models where it's not like that anymore. There's no clunky keywords to get at the brand experience. It understands I'm shopping for shoes. It's going to bring the right plugin in based on the meaning. It, it really gets to that meaning. So you're not changing user behavior for a start. And that's kind of where those skills and home assistants fell down. It didn't really drive usability. People kind of didn't really remember to say the right words, so they never really used the skill or the plugin, right? And in this case, that 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 barrier is definitely going to be a, a lot lower. Um, and so, in the same way as you use sort of a conversational platform to to launch your experience onto your website, you're going to be able to launch your experience into into these platforms, right? Into the Chat GPT or into Bing, you know, Bing's conversational search um, or or a hundred other different co-pilots that are going to be out there that people choose to use as their personal co-pilot of choice. So that's affording, you know, brands a huge amount of opportunity to, you know, to, to put themselves there mm -hmm. um, in a way that actually is not going to be hampered by the adoption challenges that we've seen with these kinds of AI solutions in the past, right? As I said, with skills, et cetera, where people just didn't choose the right language. This is not about that. This is about understanding what you're really trying to do. Uh, the fact that you're, you know, you're living your life and you're saying things that are actually happening and you're expressing problems in your own terms and it's starting to surface, hey, I've got a plug in and there's a company you're already chosen to work with that can help you solve that problem, right? So I can book a restaurant, I can get you transport to get there and I can handle the five steps to actually organize it and maybe send out, out a request to see if everyone's available that night, right? right. So that's three different things happening you know, daisy chain together, right? So it's sort of set, set of different actions to actually achieve a life goal, which is to have dinner with a bunch of friends next Thursday, right? right? So that kind of thing is, I think, where we're headed and, and the technology is really lining up behind finally getting to the point where these things become that useful. Yeah, but so the, the, other thing that, the other thing that's got me thinking about what, you know, Anne's question and how you just talked about that too is there's a little bit of, you know, because this is such a transformational technology, like Ann mentioned, like it seems like you know, akin to mobile, let's say, you know, we've been hearing that a lot. There's a little bit of the risk of, you know, focusing too much on the use cases we all understand, as re especially when I think of the retail industry and the application of this to the retail industry. And all of a sudden I'm doing that. And then I miss the completely disruptive application of this 
that takes me out of business, you know, because a new channel emerges or something like that for how commerce is done. So I think with that as, as the backdrop here, like, you know, how do you think about that? Like, should retailers have some amount of, you know, innovation investment put towards this R&D investment put towards this versus just the standard, like, Hey, do I save money doing my operations better, save my workforce time and give my workforce more time and efficiency? Um, you know, that's, that's one angle. And then the other thing too, I would say with that as the backdrop is, are there things that retailers should not do with this technology either? Should they, you know, how would you answer that? David, let's go to you first. Let's start with uh, first, you know, pick where you're headed is, um, how do retailers and brands think about where's the puck headed versus yeah. how do I help direct my consumers that way or where they're just navigating naturally? And as you say, you know, on your chest, it says Omni and started to touch on this. I, I firmly believe this is a new channel. So yeah, we've had in store, you've had online. Uh, 15 years ago, we went to the native apps. I mean, it was about 15 years ago that the Apple the I, I, right. app store launched um, with 500 apps. They're now close to 2 million. That's a brand new way of reaching consumers and, and users and, and how they expect to you engage with them. And, um, you know, when I think about the past, in-store experience was all about the virtual, the merchandising, the planogram, the display, because someone's in there with a shopping cart and going down the aisle and looking left and right. And then that changed to a digital platform and I was swiping left and right and up and down and, and entering some text, uh, you know, some keywords. But, you know, Seb nails it when he says, you know, it's diff the game is changing with plugins. The game is changing with ChatGPT because I'm not going to go to a site and say, I'm looking for shoes. I'm going to go in with an intent and say, I need shoes for a wedding that's coming up. Or, you know, and not just creating a shopping list, but, um, you know, my son's study group is coming over and one is gluten-free and the other one's vegetarian. I have a few items in the house. What can I do from a meal planning and prep perspective? And then the next action is, okay, here's some, uh, you know, here's some recipes. What's the next one after that? The plug-in for Instacart or my friendly neighborhood grocer that's going to have that delivered to me the next day. So that's where we're going. I believe everybody is going to have this concept of the concierge, the personal concierge. And it may not be through, you know, a digital interface like the mobile. It's just going to be straight through the headset, right? It's going to be able to, I will be able to speak to it. Hey, you know, hey Jarvis, you know, help me out. Yeah. So I think when I'm a, as a brand, I need to think about what is that experience when people start focusing on intent and outcome rather than keyword and browsing and scrolling. And how can I delight them, get them to that answer faster um, and, you know, drive that through these, you know, partnerships, whether it's add-ins. Um, and I firmly believe you're building that experience within, you know, your ecosystem. I don't know that a lot of people are going to go to a chat GPT. I don't know, you know, my mother-in-law is going to go to chat GPT to do meal planning. Will she do it from her local grocery app? Absolutely. Right. So that's the experience. So think about how people are going to be using it. Um, and, you know, so I think you said, I think the other part of your question is like, what are the other things to think about? Um, owning the, that customer experience, make sure that, you know, you've built a brand, you've built a trusted relationship um, with that consumer 
uh, don't outsource it. Own that relationship, own the customer experience end to end, continue to surprise and delight. Uh, and you know, that's how you're going to foster growth and you'll be able to follow that puck as it's going. It's an interesting question. Yeah. Will people go to chat? Would people go to chat GPT to do it? Like, I mean, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have thought I was going to Google to do anything. And now right. it's like part of my lexicon. So who the hell knows? I mean, that's, that's the important point here. So Seb, let's get you, let's get us out of here on this. So same question to you, but real quickly, maybe 30 seconds on what would you advise retailers not to do with this technology? What should they, what's the mistakes they should avoid? Oh, you leave me, leave me with the somber, the somber close, I guess there. Right. So I think it's important though. That's I mean, right. so, so I, I mentioned earlier on, I mean, these foundation models are extremely broad, very, very capable. And we're choosing which use cases we want them, we want them to do. Right. And I think uh, the question I would ask every retailer to really ask themselves is, who gets to decide? There's lots of people pushing for innovation inside your organizations and everyone wants to try new things. Um, but there are some downsides to these models, right? They're, they're trained with all of the internet and, and that can mean you know, biases and lots of other kind of downsides in terms of content that they can generate and, and outcomes that you didn't intend for. And so I would advise any retailer to ensure that there's part of their organization who's actually making decisions about who gets to use them for what. And that's something, you know, we at Microsoft take extremely seriously and are here to help with. You know, we have a responsible AI you know, business unit within our business who, who, who helps us decide how we're using these technologies and how we can do them safely. So we, we want to avoid that. So get all of the upside, but without any of the downside and, and, and the brand risk that goes with that. So I think it's, it's establishing those kinds of checks and balances in your organization and making sure the partners you work with are helping you to do that. Right. So that's the somber side of it. The opportunity is huge, but we need to manage the risks as well. Yeah. Yeah. We could have a whole nother discussion on the checks and balances side yes. of this and how do you approach that? I mean, that, that was, that was coming through loud and clear for me, this entire conversation. That was what Absolutely. I was thinking about as an executive, you know, like, what would I do in that? But maybe we'll have to do that again. Well, David, Seb, thank you so much for joining us today. If people want to continue to have that checks and balances conversation, yeah. they want to inquire more about application of generative AI in their businesses, um, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Seb, we'll start with you. Uh, we're on LinkedIn right now. So LinkedIn is a great, a great way to reach out, right? So just please, please do DM me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, connect with me there. And I'm happy to talk to anyone uh, about any of this Yes. So, Sebastian Reeve. Sebastian Reeve. Yes. Right. Seb Reeve. Um, all right. Uh, David, how about you? How can people get in contact with you and Microsoft? Yeah, same. I'm super passionate as, about this, as you can tell. Um, usually posting something uh, uh, you know, a couple times a week on LinkedIn. So feel free to follow. Um, I'm always happy to, uh, to discuss and uh, learn about you know what you're doing out there with, uh, with AI. Yeah, your posts are really good on this. He's a, David's a good follow. He's putting out some really good content on this topic. So, all right, well, that wraps us up, Ann. Yes. Thanks to David Leibowitz and Seb Reeve for sitting down with us today. And thank you to all of you for joining us live and posting your questions on LinkedIn. And to everyone watching live or possibly listening later, on behalf of all of us here at OmniTalk, as always, be careful out there.